You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. We've reached the dead point. I believe in the off season every year. Every year this happens. This is it. Uh, that that lead in into Christmas, and, and then you get the week between Christmas and New Year's, and then everything starts to thaw out again, and you're going to get more movement on the MLB landscape and with the Chicago White Sox. We're in that dead point right now where content creators are uh, answering listener mail or writing clickbait articles about should the White Sox go out and get Trevor Bauer which they can't afford, and so it's a moot point, and you're just trying to get people angry in your replies and stuff like that, but that's where we're at right now, and I, I want to have a kinder, gentler, happier show today because I'm still in that that holly jolly feeling. You know, I got to return a few things. Uh, I've already made Land's End give me 100 bucks back on my credit card because something got lost on the 17th and never made it to the house. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, do you need another pair of pajamas and a, and a pair of slippers? And she's like, I'll just use it for something else. I'm like, there you go. Like, that's what I'm sorting out. That's this the way. holiday spirit. That's the right holiday there. spirit. Yeah. Like in my mind at this point, and this really was the Christmas of pictures. Like I got a picture of a sweater from Ireland that was ordered two months ago and sat in customs in Brooklyn, according to her phone for like three weeks. So I opened up a picture of this this morning. I gave people pictures of things that we ordered them a month ago that still hadn't shown up. You think it's bad with Southwest. I think all the planes are screwed up right now because there's so many... This is the first year that I've seen I've seen multiple people hand out pictures to other people of stuff like, I bought this for you, it still hasn't made it yet, or it was stolen off my porch, or as I saw online the other day, somebody I follow on Facebook, Amazon took a picture of a box and said it was delivered to your porch and it wasn't their porch. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not my house. Like, I I see more of that this year than I think I saw at any other time uh, during the holidays, any other year of it. Well, and I was happy to see everybody giving out pictures because it made my life easier because I didn't have to actually flip anybody off at the holidays. I could just give them a picture of me doing it. (laughs) Just made it out. Much less personal and got the message across better, I feel. You're so. you're a you're a grumpy, surly, bah humbug type uh, person. Uh, th- let's this, have a positive, fun show. This episode of Socks in the Basement and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Uh, remember, they're your go-to place. For anything from bowing walls, window wells, foundation crack repairs, some pumps, gutter cleaning. Uh, they're veteran-owned and operated since they started in 2013. They've won multiple awards, and if you mention Socks in the Basement, you get additional money off. Give them a call 24-7 at 708-330-4466. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. Uh, I, I looked at this article, speaking of things that people are just trying to throw together at this point in this dead period of, of baseball news. I was looking at this article on CBS Sports, and they were talking about five needs for five different contenders with glaring roster holes. And I appreciate the fact that CBS Sports looks at the White Sox as a contender. Uh, they also look well, they at should. they also look at the White Sox as having the number two most glaring hole amongst all contenders, which is 
second base. No kidding. Yeah, they got Roman Gonzalez as the uh, projected starter. That's where we've got him. That's where most people have talked about it. That's probably the person right, that yeah. ends up winning this thing. Uh, James Fox saying he'd love to see Lennon Sosa win that job in spring training because Romy would be great to move around in the Leary Garcia role. And then if Garcia could just be jettisoned to the sun, that would make everybody happy. But right now, Gonzalez is the projected starter in this in this article. A really interesting fact that I didn't know. I hadn't realized this. They kick off this section of their article saying that second base has been a black hole on the south side for a long time now. They haven't had a full-time second baseman post even a two-war season since 2006 with Tadahito Aguchi. Oh, my God. Really? Does that, that make you sick? I, that shocks me, actually. Because <laughs> I, I, I feel like we've, we, we must have had... No! No, really? Not no. since Tadahito Aguchi in 2006 have we gotten two wins above replacement or more at second base. That that's insane. Well, that, and as I'm running through the list in my head, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, yeah, since Aguchi we've had, and we had. Well, there was that one season where we, and then nothing, nothing. No. You can't, really, <laughs> it's been bad. It's, it's been, been really bad really over bad. there. It's been absolutely bad over there. So um, they give an ideal ta- uh, target. I'm not even going to read through because there's absolutely no way the Twins are trading us, Luis Arise. Uh, no, the realistic target we've already talked about, uh, Gene Segura. They're like, this really feels like who the White Sox should just go out and sign. That That's what they're saying. Just go get him. My only concern is, as I as I broke down before, and remember all the shows are on demand anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. My only real concern there is, as he's getting older, he doesn't feel the position as well. He doesn't have very good range. And with the change in the shift rules, you kind of want somebody who can cover their position. I was intrigued, though, and I have seen people suggest this. I know MLB Network has suggested it, but we haven't really talked about it. The last name that they give that could solve the problem at second base, which is Glaber Torres. And they talk about how he's already kind of popped up in trade rumors and that Liam Hendricks has been mentioned in trade rumors alongside of him. And this may be a good fit. Now, first off, the White Sox that are doing exactly what they should be doing now. They are telling anybody who will listen, we're going internal. And that's what they should be saying. Right. Because if they don't say that, everybody knows they're trying to make a trade. But Rick Hahn said at the beginning of the season, we're going to have to improve with trades. And I haven't seen any yet. So what was he referring to if he wasn't referring to second base? And and that's why I think there is something there that they would trade a Hendricks or one of the other guys in their bullpen like a Graveman. And they would go after second base. I feel like a lot of people are latching on to Rick Hahn or some inside source from the White Sox telling them, nope, they're going internal because that's the message they want to get out there. I still believe the right deal comes along, they're pulling the trigger, and they're going to fix second base. They're just not going to tell you that's what they need because it hurts your ability to go out and make moves. Of course it does. And and when Rick is referring to at the beginning of the offseason, we're going to have to make improvements through trades. A couple things are true there. One, they don't know that they're getting that extra money from the Disney purchase that the MLB went through. So – that money, if that's really what ended up being Andrew Benintendi, that's found money for Rick Hahn. And that's great. And the other part of it is is that you're right. What you do is you sit there and go, we're going to make improvements, but we're going to make them through trades. And that can mean a couple of things. That can mean taking a number of players off of the team, off the White Sox, and trying to bring in uh, a big name, okay, and, and making an upgrade somewhere. For example, like trying to upgrade third base over Yohan Moncada, and finding somebody who can field as well as he can, but who's maybe going to be better with the bat than what Moncada showed the past couple of years. But in this case, 
filling a glaring hole, you sit there and go, well, we've got internal candidates, right? We've got Romy Gonzalez. We're happy with who he is as a prospect and a player. We're happy with Lennon Sosa and who he is as a prospect and a player. We've got Yolbert Sanchez. We're, we're happy with what he could potentially bring to the table. Of course, we signed Larry Garcia a couple of years ago. We still really like him. This is the team saying it, not me personally. Yeah, I was going to say, I was about to throw you out of here. Uh, no, 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 no. But you know what I mean? Like they, they have to pump up every candidate that they have internally to sit there and say, this is who we want. Just like they had to sit there and say, hey, Oscar Colas is ready to go. We believe in Gavin Sheets as an outfielder. We believe that Aloy Jimenez can field the position and get better out there, even though we think he'd be better off as a DH. There's You, you always pump up your own team in trade negotiations because you want them to feel like it's, hey, you're not doing me a favor by giving me this player. I just think that this is mutually beneficial to us. So if he goes out and he does trade Liam Hendricks to the Yankees, okay, he's doing that because he feels like Liam Hendricks is the best trade chip, like we've talked about over and over again, where you've got closer options internally, or you take back a bullpen arm that you think might become something for you uh, as part of the trade. And then, yeah, Glaber Torres maybe is the guy that you sit there and go, okay, Look, this makes sense for us. You need a closer. We'll give you Liam Hendricks. We think we got that position covered. Not as well as Liam would cover it, of course, but hey, we got it covered. And then Glaber Torres, yeah, you know what? He's established. Our other guys are prospects. We'll see if uh, he can hold off these guys that we got coming up that are they're really going to electrify the league. And, you know, but Glaber's a good player, right? So that's the way you negotiate. And then, of course, when you complete the trade, you sit there and go, yeah, we felt like uh, we could move on from Liam Hendricks for a number of reasons, and we wish him well. Really, we think his elbow's about to explode. And uh, Glaber <laughs> Torres is just is just a fantastic player, and we cannot be more excited to have him on board. We think he's exactly what this team needs, and then you, you talk about what a great guy he is. As we get to the end of this year, and we're in this dead time, as I'm talking about when it comes to baseball news, big-time congratulations to Hyatt Home Medical Equipment, one of the advertisers here on Socks in the Basement, they expanded and upgraded their showroom this year. They are doing so much for people that are trying to switch to a new age of life, stay independent in their home, avoid assisted living. Hyatt can set up the house to make it less of a fall risk. They can set it up so you can get around the home better. And they have the latest in CPAP technology when it comes to those with sleep apnea, the latest in diabetes control, HHME.com. They're going to work with your insurance and they're going to take additional money off if you mention socks in the basement. Check out that big brand new showroom that they have in Evergreen Park at 3518 West 95th Street. You know, I'm going to tell you something right now. You you have been pushing this now for the last couple of shows when it comes with Hendricks. Like, you don't know what's going on with his arm. You know, he's always had that lingering issue. The first time it popped up was last year. This might be the time to make that move before it really flares up. You just keep planting the seeds for it. And I, I'm thinking that the White Sox front office really hopes that nobody around baseball has ever heard of Sox in the basement. And and your theories on Liam Hendricks's arm because you <laughs> like I don't want I don't even want to get out there I want you to just stop talking about it after the deal is over talk about it more I really honestly think if they trade Hendricks it's not because of injury concerns I think that they're trading Hendricks because they've got that option sitting there next year and they don't want any part of it no they, they, they want to let wanna, go. they want to get out from his contract they want to get really out from underneath it, it and they don't want to have to pay for that that, that last option is is automatic. It's basically like we you could keep you can keep him around or you could pay him out over time to spread out money. 
And that's going to be a hard thing to justify doing to your fan base. We, you know, they don't really care what we think. They've shown that already this offseason. But, I mean, like that, that that's going to be something that they don't even want to deal with. So you're right about that. Looking at Torres, though, here's a guy who in 2022 had a, a B-war of 4.1. 4.1 wins above replacement uh, and baseball reference war. Uh, career 11.5. His career OPS plus and his OPS plus last year showing his OPS above what the league averages was 114 with 100 being being average, right? His OPS was 761 in 2022, uh, 785 for his career. He, he is he's a guy who's going to hit about 250 to 260, but he's going to he's going to he's going to hit for some power. He, what did he do like last year? I want to say he had 24 home runs. He had 24 home runs. Like, imagine getting that from second base. Oh yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be yeah. wouldn't that be nice? And and he stole he, he, over the last two years. He stole the combined twenty four bases. Well, with these new rules, I say he could steal thirty next year. And when I look at his range, he was a plus six runs in terms of his actual movement, and then another six runs in terms of his arm from the second base position. He actually shows a plus defensive ability. Because he's playing shortstop and second base. He'd be your regular second baseman over there. So he fits also the idea that I want somebody who can field the position there as well. I mean, yeah, if that was announced today, I'd be like, all right, I'm good with it. Right? I mean, I know there are people, people that say, well, we could have gotten more. I'd be good with it. Like, you know, last episode I talked about ripping off the Mets. Well, of course you should rip off the Mets. The Yankees are not the Mets, so you have to understand what's on the other side. They they aren't going to just give you the world because they can spend and spend and spend, right? So this is going to be a more even trade. I'd be I'd be fine with this trade. I'd be great with this deal. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got two more years of control with them. That'd be a great move to do. See, that's the thing. I think what the White Sox have to continue to say is. We're internal. We're not shopping anybody. Leave us alone. We're just hanging out over here at 35th and Shields and everything's fine. They have to say that because the offer that they want has yet to be presented to them. And they want a team to finally say, all right, all right, here we go. This is what we're offering you. And then the trigger is going to be pulled. I still firmly believe, firmly believe that if not Liam Hendricks, a Kendall Graveman or somebody else from the bullpen, a chip of that type is going to get moved and the player that comes back is going to be a second baseman. I really believe that as much as they're trying to tell you that it's not going to happen or they're not interested in it because that's what they have to say. And and Glaber Torres, to your point, is the exact kind of guy that you want. He's not a star. Uh, he is not a disappointment either. And this is, this is one of those things that's very important is that his initial run with the Yankees was with the happy fun ball. He hit a ton of home runs that year. And everyone looked at him like he was going to be some sort of, you know, legendary shortstop for the Yankees. And he turned into just a very good player. Well, and that's the thing, though. But when you talk about happy fun ball, wasn't that report out that the there were different types of baseballs and the Yankees benefited the most from having something similar to the happy fun ball back in their stadium in 2022, where you didn't see that at other stadiums? So that 24 home run, runs that he got last year, where he also got 24 in 2018 and, and 38 in 2019, that 24 could regress back to the nine he had in 2021. You know what I'm saying? Like, we might see only 12 home runs out of this guy if he comes to the rate, 
depending on the baseballs. That's something that really drives you. know, when we sit around and we talk about all these stats, we're trying to compare players to also have to take into effect, like, well, what kind of humidor is being used? And uh, are they getting the same balls from Major League Baseball that that we're getting from Major League Baseball? You have to, like, think about all of this. You have to think about the new shift rules and everything else when you're trying to evaluate a player. So it's it's not as cut and dry as it would normally be trying to figure this out. But no matter what, even if you see him regress a little bit in power, he is an upgrade at second base, and he's something you would want. Well, look, and if you're going to go internal, okay, and you're going to stick around with what's what's on hand right now, and you're not going to be able to make a trade, because it's not a given that Rick Hahn can make a trade. Right. I've, not, I've said it several times before. I don't have a lot of faith in him to be able to pull off good trades. Well, and I'm not even I'm not even getting into whether or not Rick Hahn is capable of pulling off a good trade. I'm just saying he may not find a dance partner for, for what he's offering up and what he wants back or what he needs back, uh, he, he may not find somebody who's just a willing a willing partner to make a trade. I mean, the Yankees might be looking at Liam Hendricks and going, hey, we're not really worried about our bullpen. We'd really like a starter, and Rick might be reluctant at this point to sit there and say, okay, take Lucas Giolito because he doesn't feel like he has anything in reserve on him. The fact is is that if, if this is the team as it is, do you think, knowing that there are flaws with, with each player, uh, you know, because every player is going to have it. We don't have any perfect players on this team. Do you think you can you can live with kind of the big major thing that each player, each position is going to end up showing this year and still win? Well, it all depends. I mean, there are guys that like I always laugh about the idea that we're going to have 15 bounce back years this year. That That isn't going to happen. So you have to decide, OK, everybody's got flaws. Can you can you deal with the flaws that they ha- that they have? So like, let's say catcher. And Grandal is going to be the starting catcher, even though there is no guarantee that he finishes the year as the starting catcher. He's in the last year of his deal. And if it's anything like it was last year, you would think at some point that you would see Zebby Zavala start getting more appearances behind the plate and he would get phased out. But they're going to give him a couple of months because they, they need that. They really need Yasmani Grandal to play well, or otherwise they are going to be you know, a little bit further back and a little bit further behind other teams that they're trying to contend with. And if they can get into the postseason, if they, they're not as strong as if they can get Grandal going. So when, when I look at him, I can, I can accept some of his deficiencies, especially defensively now, because I don't think any catcher is, is worth as much as they used to be when you could only go for a pickoff move twice, uh, you know, per batter and the bases are bigger. I think at this point, the idea of holding base runners on, you could have anybody sit back there and play catcher at this point. Well, framing framing now becomes more important, right? Keeping guys off base in the first place. Right, exactly. That becomes very important. But like this is going to be like I, I was talking to a couple of older White Sox fans over the holidays who said this would be like bringing back catchers like Sherm Lawler. Just like a big dude that sits behind the plate and doesn't do anything. <laughs> That's what this and is. Sherm Lawler was there for like 25 right, years. Exactly. Or like like you, that. Can, you can bring back that guy now to be a catcher with these new rules. And he may actually be the better option as long as he brings a bat, right? So, yeah, if his bat comes back, I can deal with any of the deficiencies of the fact that he's gotten older and he may not be as quick with his pop time or anything like that because I don't know if it really matters that much anymore. No. Well, and that's the thing is, 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 is really the rule changes. Take a Yasmani Grandal flaw and turn it into a moot point because it doesn't matter. It, it, you could you could put Pudge Rodriguez back there and he's going to struggle under these new rules, and and that was a, a guy who was amazing at it, right? You know he could he could throw everybody and anybody out, but you have to be on that level to really be able to like overcome the rules. So like at first base though, you know you go to Andrew Vaughn, 
the one thing Vaughn has not shown a lot of is home run hitting ability, right? It, it, it seems like the home runs, they come, but he's not as prolific as you would like for your first baseman. I mean, can you live with him hitting, say, 290 and maybe only getting up to around 20 bombs? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can live with it because, again, I think that baseball is changing. I think the era of crazy home run totals is going away. You know, we as White Sox fans got very upset when we saw that they don't hit the ball out of the ballpark very often. And yeah, it was a problem. They should have done better at that, right? But Major League Baseball as a whole was seemed down. There weren't, I mean, you didn't see a lot. Remember the years where you'd see, like, there'd be so many guys with 40 home runs and so many guys like, you'd, with 30 you'd have home runs? Some nine guys that had, like, 30 to 40 home runs. You'd have... Well, you'd have guys like Glaber Torres hitting 34 right. home runs. And, and, and it's different now because they've done everything they can. Like, this is all about killing the long ball, except for, of course, in all-star games, um, <laughs> playoff games, Yankee games. And Yankee Stadium. <laughs> but generally, trying to kill the long ball and bring back speed. It's the older style of baseball because of the belief that if we can have quicker games, especially with the and pitch now, clock and, and now everything we get like rid that. Of Tony La Russa, correct. Right. It's, it's all about making the game quicker. And it's all about making the game more interesting from play to play because they're trying to bring back people into seeing this as an exciting sport. Okay, and 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 to be honest with you, it doesn't bother me. I'm if they if that's what they're trying to do, and we're playing a different brand of baseball than what we've played over the last twenty years. Cool. It's up to my team to figure out how to navigate that. So yeah, I'll take Andrew Vaughn if he hits well, average wise, and if he turns out to be a capable first baseman but he doesn't have like, you know, 30 home run power. I, I think I would be able to get over that flaw. This is a this is a great conversation for sitting down at, say, a brewery like Hailstorm Brewing Company and uh, pouring a couple of beers and trying out that magnificent lineup of stouts. It's stout season. They also have some great IPAs up there, uh, all kinds of incredible offerings, German beers. It's a big beer hall like a German beer hall, and it's located in Tinley Park. It's something you should check out. They are the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. They're right off of 80th Avenue. So stop in there. Say hi. Uh, tell them that we sent you over there. They always like uh, talking White Sox baseball with people. Every time I walk in there, I end up in a Sox conversation. 8060, 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue in Tinley Park. New brewer Will Turner is bringing decades of experience and excellence to Hailstorm Brewing, tweaking some of the old styles and, and bringing some really new stuff out there. They have an American stout he put out. Uh, that's his most recent creation. It's excellent. Uh, live music on the weekends, trivia nights, other fun events. Check out everything they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. Second base, we've kind of covered, right? And I think we, I, I don't, if we're going to do this and go around the horn, which I feel like this is the way this is going, I think it's pretty obvious that whatever they have at second base, if they can feel their position, I can get over the deficiency of hitting. So since I don't know what's going to happen, let's just say that and move on to Tim Anderson. Can we do that? Yeah, because and and with Tim Anderson, I think it's the opposite, right? If if TA is hitting the way TA can hit, I can I can live with the defense. Well, he has to though. That's something that I said in 2018 when this show launched. That's something I said in 2019 when he was hitting the crap out of the ball. That's something that I said when he isn't hitting. His defense, he needs to make up for that at the plate because he is not a superstar defensive shortstop. He's not. He has clear deficiencies, especially when you sit there and you watch it in person. There are times where I see him go deep in the hole behind third base, and I, there are some shortstops that can make that play, and Tim has trouble with it. And, and that doesn't mean he's a bad player. We are fortunate to have Tim Anderson as our shortstop. We have a very good shortstop over there, but he needs to come up and hit the ball, and that's the thing. Like Even if he isn't hitting for power, 
right? If he's got his average up high, if he's doing his job getting on base, if he's the engine that makes the car go at the top of the lineup, I am fine with his other deficiencies. I can even get over his weird tweets that are for attention. I can get over those because whatever, that's just you tweet weird. Tim tweets weird. So I don't even care about his social media issues or any of that stuff. Okay, as long as he can keep the average up, beat a table setter and be the engine that makes the car go. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's all you, that's what you want from Tim Anderson, right? And then you have next to him you have the kind of the opposite problem, right? Cuz you have Yohan Moncada who can field this position very very well. But where's his bat? And and, and that this this might be the one guy whose fatal flaw I cannot I can't continue to abide. I don't think you can is, play over it. You you can't. Yeah. No. You can't play over his bat as bad as it was last year. His bat's got to at least get up to hitting 240 250. All right? He's he he's got to hit 15 home runs. He's got to do something over there offensively. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, his bat is brutal. I don't care how well he plays the position. If you get that same bat that you had last season, I would rather have Jake Berger go be a butcher defensively at third base. I really would. I know that some people are going to say, are you crazy? It would really depend on if my team needed an offensive boost, right? Let's say everybody's killing the ball, then I don't care, right? But if you have other guys that come out that are having slow starts and Berger is sitting there with that bat, send him out there and take the error because he's going to hit a two-run bomb as well. Do something that like gets your hitters going. Like That might be what Jake Berger's role is this year. If they're off to a slow start or a slump occurs and you have a lineup that collectively is not producing at a certain level and you need a spark, you'll give up the defense for a couple of games. Even if you lose a game 9-8, to eight, just to get the offense going again. That might be one of his roles this year, especially if Moncada can't get his back going to any, like, just reasonable, like, output. I think that's where you look at, at you know, the idea of, say, Romy Gonzalez being able to be somewhere else on the horn, uh, around the horn, to, to step in and play. If you like him and you like what his bat can bring, stepping in to have him play third base over Yohan Moncada or Jake Berger or, or something makes a lot of sense. And then... I don't know. I you know, as we get to the outfield, left and, and center field, I don't I don't know that there's any big time flaws on either Andrew Benintendi or Luis Robert that I would sit there and go, God, these are game killers. I mean, Benintendi will either hit for contact or hit for some power, but never really both at the same time. That's kind which of his okay. thing, right? Like if you look at his baseball card, he's if he's hitting yeah. three hundred, he doesn't hit for a lot of power. If he's hitting two seventy, he hits more bombs. And I think that might just depend on what what uh, you know what Pedro Grafol asked asked him to do. Like you know, yeah. go out and hit bombs, or, or go out and, and be my number two hitter and, and set, help me set the table. He might be. He may turn out to be. And this is gonna. This is a brash thing to say. He may be the Ooh, best. I like brash. He may be the best number two table setting hitter that the White Sox will have since another name that we just mentioned in 2006, Tadahito Aguchi. Tadahito Aguchi. Yeah. Tadahito Aguchi knew how to set the table. And he he could every once in a while, you know, put one off the wall or out of the ballpark. And he also understood that when he saw a hole in the outfield or in the infield defense, he would adjust where he was putting the ball. He was a professional hitter. Andrew Benatendi is a professional hitter. He's not a superstar. He's not he's not he's not uh, Aaron Judge. Right. But he's a professional hitter that seems to understand what's going on in the game. He's a perfect number two hitter, and he spent the majority of his career there. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of things that I can say about left field. Center field, I I don't want to deal with any deficiencies. He's supposed to be a star. 
Luis Roberts supposed right. to be a stop. That, that's he's supposed point. to be the, the best defensive player out there. He's supposed to be the best offensive player out there. He's probably hitting third for your team this year. I can't get over any deficiencies of him, right? If there's deficiencies with Luis Robert, the team is going to suffer. There's so much riding on him. I need him stealing bases, playing defense, hitting home runs, and out there for 150-some games. I need that. This team depends on that. He may be the most important player on the field. If I'm not, especially if I take pitchers out of the equation, the most important player this year to the White Sox fortunes is if Luis Robert is healthy and does what was promised. If he becomes the, you know, what was it from the, I'm going to be a Game of Thrones nerd for a moment, the prince that was promised. If he becomes that, okay? Right. If he becomes, right, there you if go. He becomes everything that we were told he was going to be, that's what I'm waiting to see. Well, and that's his deficiency, in my opinion, is is health and and his inability to stay healthy and healthy enough to produce at the level he's supposed to be. So he needs to do that. And Aloy is the same way as the DH. Aloy Jimenez is the exact same thing. That man just needs to stay in the batter's box. He needs to stay in the lineup. He needs to be out there for 150-some-odd games. If he's mostly DHing, there's no reason for him not to be out there for 160. He needs to hit uh, well against righties, which he has shown yeah. over the course of his career he can do. He needs to park the ball into the stands and become more of a power hitter. I remember when he had that injury, and and they talked about how it was going to take over a year for him to really get his power back. So that's why I'm expecting it back this year. He wasn't supposed to even be 100% in terms of being able to to, to turn on a baseball and and get it out. Because when the original injury came down, remember when he ripped out his side or whatever he did like that, that was going to take some time. So that's, he needs to be that again. He needs to be that guy that comes in and just hits like just, just rooftop bombs in a place that doesn't have a rooftop. That's, that's what he needs to be. The guy that it lands on the concourse on a hot July night. Yeah. And then I think he can get back to that. Like you said, there's, there's time away from what was really a gnarly injury that that it's a little like saying Mike Clevenger is going to follow up what Johnny Cueto did. And and after the sort of up and down, not so great year after Tommy John surgery, have it all back together and, you know, have that old, that old feeling back together. But I, I, I think with Aloy, if the power is back and he is somewhere in the range of 270, he better be in the range of 40 bombs, 30 to 40 bombs. And that's, that's not asking a lot from him. Uh, you know, that that's just asking him to be, the second best hitter on this team. Right. I mean, like you think about it this way, if Robert becomes who he's promised to be and Aloya Menez gets back to his power, you can get over some of the deficiencies at the plate with other guys. That's what makes it easier for me to say, I don't care if Andrew Vaughn has the power that everybody wants him to have. I I can handle the defense that Yohan Moncada has at third base, right? I, I can put up with some of the other problems that the team has if those two guys are healthy and hitting, they really could change the entire fortunes of this team. The problem is, is that as a White Sox fan, you have to go into yet another season saying everybody has to stay healthy and everybody has to do exactly what we project them to be. And we can't have any setbacks because we really don't have a plan if things don't go perfectly. And I think that's where all the angst of that's that's White Sox fandom right there uh, wrapped up in a nice little package for you. Oscar Colas, assuming he's the right fielder, you're upset that he strikes out all the time. Can he not, get over not, that deficiency? Not if the rest of the lineup can produce. I, you know, when Oscar Colas, when I was bringing up the strikeouts with Oscar Colas, it was because he was going to be the left-handed bat savior of this team, and you're still going to have Gavin Sheets or or somebody out in left field that's that's lesser than. Okay, but if Oscar Colas comes up and he he is showing that he can hit power for power, he can play right field, he can strike out more, and and 
kind of have those growing pains in, in a contending lineup because there's other guys to cover for him. There's some depth. And if he starts to really slump hard, you can do some things. You could, you could move around a Gavin sheets. You could put Andrew Vaughn back in the outfield temporarily. You could do some things with Billy Hamilton and go small ball. There's a lot of things you could do still. So I'm, I'm not as worried about Oscar Cola striking out with the Andrew Benintendi signing, if that makes any sense to, to anybody. Uh, we talked about possible trades at the beginning of the show. Just a quick note for all of you. Uh, Ed and I made a trade in our Dynasty uh, Baseball League. Oh, we did. Uh, yes, yes, we did. Uh, I sent him Michael Massey, and it hurt me, too, as a Brother Rice alum, to trade Michael Massey of the Royals, uh, along with Brett Batty, uh, which I'm fine getting rid of because I don't know where he plays baseball next year. So <laughs> I was fine getting rid of that. And I picked up Alex Verdugo, who's going to play in my outfield. So I feel like I fleeced you, and uh, I appreciate you letting me do that. It was a nice Christmas present. If you have a fantasy baseball thoughts, you want to talk about that trade, anything we talked about on the show, uh, any of the deficiencies, anything you'd like to talk about, look, I want to hit the phone calls on the next episode coming up here on Friday. All right. So there's lots of ways for you to reach out. Go to socksandbasement.com, hit the little microphone, leave a message that way, or give us a call from your phone, even if it's attached to the wall and you got to put your little finger in the thing and go, do they have those anymore? Man, I would love rotary phones. Yes. I think rotary phones still exist in some fashion. I'd love to put a rotary phone up in my house for my teenagers with the extra long phone cord and make that the only way they can call their friends just for fun. 708-459-8406. Socks in the basement. Subscribe if you haven't. Check us out on YouTube. We're getting a ton of YouTube followers. We're going to have to start putting videos up there because the YouTube followers are just listening to us talk there. Okay, so we're going to have to start finding a video thing here. Maybe in January we'll start launching Or an that. animator. We'll and, have to find uh... an animator. That's what I want. I want to be animated like old Radiohead videos. Remember that? Nice. That's yeah. what I want. I want all of our animations to be done in that style. I would love that for the YouTube channel. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.